0: Alright, well before we get into the, the message this morning, I wanted to give a, a little bit of an update, but I have a small um, a problem, is that I, I created a PowerPoint with a bunch of cool pictures, and it didn't make it, so I, I, I want to I show you pictures, but I can't, so I'm sorry, <laughs> but I wanted to give you an update with Angie up here about what's going on, if you were in Sunday school, this might be a repeat for some of the stuff, but um, we have moved from Whale Pass, as many as you know, to a place called Kauffman Cove. And Kauffman Cove is about an hour and a half southeast of Whale Pass. Uh, if you were on the main line or the the main line, or the drive, we call it the main line. Um, or it's a 30-mile boat ride, 30-minute, 30 30-mile 30 boat ride. Uh, so either way, it's a little bit south and east. And we, we moved there about two years ago. It's three years this year. Um, to help a, a struggling church, to help establish and um, not plant, but but really revitalize a struggling church in the community. There were a couple of churches in the community, and uh, the other pastor, he's a faithful man. He's been serving the kids in the Kauffman Cove for many, many years, and um, he's also a pastor there, but when we came, he kind of joined us a little bit, and he's, he's attending services, and he's a, he's a great guy. So, we have one church in the community that, uh, of our little town, and it's about, about 200 people. And so, we're as I was joking this morning, it's a thriving metropolis compared to Whale Pass of 100 people. Yeah. So, um, we have all kinds of neat things there that Whale Pass doesn't. We have paved roads, which is pretty cool. Okay. Uh, we have a gas station. Uh, we have a little store. And uh, my dad reminded me there's a bar there. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> I don't know why you reminded me that, but Oh, that was you. That was you. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. You said gas station. That's right. So we've been serving that community for a while. Um, Emma and Buddy are doing good. Both Emma and Buddy are at a friend's house right now. Uh, Emma is at a camp, actually. Yes. Yeah. And uh, where are they at, Joe, again? They're in uh, Clealum. Clealum. And they're having a good time, I assume. I haven't had any phone calls. So uh, Buddy is somewhere else skiing and having fun as well. And it's a, such a blessing for them to come down here and actually get to do some stuff because it can be kind of cold and dark during the wintertime. Uh, it's not like you would think in, a, in the northern part of the interior where there's no sun. We get, we get some sun.
1: It's just a little more extreme than here. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah,
0: so I guess the weather and everything is just a little bit more extreme than here, so we were well-suited for it. Um, what else What else could I do? As up- I had a whole series of updates to give you.
1: Can I tell about my Sunday school class?
0: Please tell me about your okay. Sunday school class.
1: So when we first came to Kaufman Cove, there was, the- Betty and Emma were the only kids in church. And um, And over the course of our time here, there's been just a little bit of kids trickling in, but all the kids are completely unchurched. They know nothing um, about any story of the Bible. They didn't even know who Jesus was other than a curse word. And so um, it's been super exciting to be able to share the gospel for the first time with these children. And um, I think it was in November that the we got a new family that came Mm -hmm. and um, they had never um, taken their family to church. um, And they have like a 12 year old and nine year old and a six year old or something Mm -hmm. like that. Anyway, they, the kids every Sunday wrap their parents out because they are like, my parents never told us about this. You know, I don't know these stories, you know? And so um, I, they were involved in the Christmas play. They, they come to every single service and um, we've had a little problem with discipline and, because they've never been in a structured environment at all before, and so sitting still just to hear a, even a four or five-minute story has very been very difficult. But when these new girls came, they helped bring some calm and um, peace to the the classroom, and they're cute, so the boys are listening up a little more. And um, anyway, so this last Sunday, the last Sunday we were there, um, we finished memorizing Psalms twenty-three. And our kids came up in front of the church and recited it for the church, and they got Bibles, mm-hmm. and um, it was it's really exciting. Um, none of them have decided to give their lives to Jesus yet. We would love it if you would pray for them. We've got about six or In my class, I have about six kids, and then Emma teaches the babies, the, well, we call them the babies, but they're, they're babies through three, and so she teaches a Sunday school class, and I teach the older kids, and it ranges from four to 12, and, um, and Buddy helps me in my class, so the kids are active and serving and helping us, but it's a really exciting time. I mean, can you imagine telling someone that had never heard anything about Jesus, and you get to be the first one? <laughs> it's, a, it's a real honor, and it's it been exciting, and we can't wait to see them um, give, surrender their lives to the Lord. So. Yeah,
0: amen. That's right. So I, during the main service, I preach, and we lead worship, I preach, and then Angie goes right downstairs and does its kids' ministry, and, and it's been quite a while since you've been in a, a main service, mm-hmm. so because uh, she faithfully serves our kids, Emma and Buddy, both serve in the kids' ministry as well, so Emma goes down, helps Angie and Buddy as well. Sometimes Emma takes the little, the little babies, we've got like two or three it, just depends. it depends. on, yeah, two or three, and they go into the room. So it's, it's a, a full family ministry, and it's really a lot of fun. But it also uh, has a lot of ups and downs. Uh, the community in which we serve is a wonderful community of wonderful people. Um, but in Alaska, the, the, the joke is is that uh, people move to the end of the road for a reason. And the group of people that we minister to are, are brokenhearted, Uh, for whatever reason that they're there. Um, They are oftentimes running from memories, running from uh, their past, running from themselves. And it requires a lot of patience, and uh, and it really requires thick skin uh, because uh, sometimes you get to be the brunt of uh, a lot of anger that comes out. So um, again, we so much appreciate your guys' prayers, your guys' mindfulness of us being up there. It really, in support, absolutely. It really is a mission field. Um, Alaska is a mission field just just like going into a foreign country uh, that has its own way of thinking, way of living, way of talking. Everything is different, and this took us a a good adjustment period of time. And by the way, uh, we were marveling at this, that this August will be seven years that we've been gone. And uh, that's just, it's just hard to uh, fathom that. Seven years is a long time. So that's why some of you may not know who we are. It's been a, it's been quite a while. But um, any other updates? Like I said, I, I will send you guys. I'll send Chris the uh, PowerPoint and show you pictures. We had wonderful pictures of Buddy's biggest hobby right now is motorcycles. So um, he is into riding motorcycles. Him and I go riding. Um, Emma's she loves to be with the kids. She is she is a mama right now. She is doing good. She's going. They're both going to homeschool. Um, Emma's going to be a senior next year, and uh, our kids are just getting uh, way too old. And um, anyway, I'm grateful to have Melanie here, um, and Kale here, uh, and um, Megan, what's that? Your dad. And my dad, yeah, sorry, my dad is here. Most, most folks dad. know dad in Maryland. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Megan, my other daughter, she is in Kentucky. She got married in August, and um, she now is expecting... So we're going to be grandparents, which is really weird. It's um, uh, very exciting. It's exciting, but weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you could pray for us as well, because anybody who has grandkids knows the pull on your heartstrings when your grandkids live uh, somewhere else and you can't be around them. And that's what we're going to be walking into. So you need a card. You're welcome. Okay. Now we're going to get into the Word and talk a little bit about... Hope in the darkness here. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Judges? If you're unfamiliar with where Judges might be, just go to the beginning and keep going to the right. You're going to pass Numbers, Deuteronomy, you're going to pass Joshua, and you're going to hit right into Judges. We're going to be in Judges chapter 14. <laughs> Turn it up so we can all hear. (laughs) That's okay. Absolutely cool. No problem. Judges 14. I'm going to read it after a little bit, but let me give you a little bit of a history of um, why I get to be in front of you today. November of this last year, um, Angie and I got a Facebook message from a dear friend of ours. Uh, we, uh, we went to, we grew up with them. Well, na- um, his name is Matt. Her name is Tammy. They're married. They've been married for 23 years. Um, I, he was it, my best friend in high school and in grade school. We've known each other since the third grade. He was the best man at our, at our wedding, Angie and I's wedding. So we got a message that she was taking him to the emergency room, um, and he had extreme, like a migraine-level headache, um, Matt was going through some pretty intense trauma with his current job situation. There was litigation going on. There was issues that were happening, and he was stressed. I knew he was stressed. In fact, he'd been dealing with this for over a year, actually multiple years. But last, the year before, I invited him to come up to Alaska to just kind of unwind a little bit. It took him fishing and hunting, and, and it seemed like it was good. But uh, we got the phone call that she was taking him to the emergency room or the email. email, And then we found out that they took him to get an MRI. And when he had the MRI, it was discovered that he had a brain tumor. Um, And so they immediately went to surgery. And um, after surgery, they took a, a little bit out. They weren't able to get it all out because it was on the part of the brain where it was the the senses are located, so it was a very sensory issue. Uh, If they were to dig into that, you could lose one of your senses or multiple senses very quickly. And they took it, and they did a biopsy on it sent it away, and it wasn't too much longer that we found out that Matt had a high-grade glaucoma tumor, which is is a level 4 cancer tumor. And the doctor gave Matt 12 to 14 months to live. Um, Could you flick the slide for me, please? I want to show you a picture of Matt and his family there. It's a beautiful family. I mean, this this is the guy that he is a true knucklehead. And uh, he knows me before ministry, so he likes to remind me often of the knucklehead I am. And, and if he was here, he would have everybody around him because he loves to tell stories. And he has multiple stories that would embarrass me. And he just, as a matter of fact, at Angie's birthday party, uh, he was sitting there telling stories about me and telling stories about our childhood. He's a fantastic storyteller. He's got four kids, and um, all of them are, are amazing kids. We got to spend some time with him. And we are going to spend the next week and a half or so with them as well. I mentioned he is a husband of Tammy for 22 years. When we got the message that Matt had cancer, Angie, Angie wept, and I just sat there stunned. I, have, I don't handle news like that very well, and so I just sat there stunned. And, and the first thing that went through my mind was years of those stories that, that we have together. We've been friends for a long time. And graduated high school together. Matt was the guy that graduated most likely to change the world. Now, you know, you ever, in your high schools people have most likely to succeed, most likely to do whatever. Matt was always destined for greatness, and he is a good man. He's, a, he's, he's spent his life serving the church, working hard as a family man. He has a YouTube channel um, where he takes movies, uh, movies like uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, castaway, and he looks for symbolism in the movies. And it's, I guess, a really, a really neat thing that he looks at the symbolism and he talks about it and, and tries to help people understand what the movies are about. It's called Logos Made Flesh. So if this recording ever gets to Matt, I just plugged you, buddy. So, anyway. Um, Matt, when he was diagnosed, he wrote a Facebook post letting people know. And it, as you imagine, it was a stunning... Um, announcement. It caused a lot of tears, a lot of responses. Um, But in his Facebook posts or post regarding the fact that he had cancer, he quotes from the book of Judges. And it's a passage that we're going to read today. And he tells the story just briefly of another tragedy that happened in his family to his father. And he answers the question that everybody has when you get news like that. And that is, is there hope to be found here? I mean, is there hope to be found in such news like this? And to answer that question, he tells a story about his father. Now, um, his father, I I called Mike. That's his dad, Mike Miller. Um, His father, I called him. I said, is it okay that I share this story because it's a personal story? It's not mine to share. And he said, absolutely. So I'm going to tell you some hard things that uh, Mike Miller found out. So this is Matt's dad. Mike Miller, I grew up with him. He is the most, absolutely the most obnoxious in a good way and gregarious guy I have ever been around. He, if, he, if he came into this room, he would immediately own the whole room. He just has the personality that's bigger than life. He is incredibly funny. I have many, many stories about him. He's like, that, he's like the guy that, that will embarrass you in a good way, So just a quick story. I'm I'm in high school. Matt and I are in high school. Um, Mike is picking up Matt. I'm saying, hey, goodbye. And Matt's always got a crowd of people around him. And um, I'm standing there. And Mike is talking to somebody. And he looks over at me. And I have, I'm in high school. And I have just one little chest hair sticking out of my shirt. Just right there. And he stops dead conversation. There's girls all around, by the way. He stops and he says, you've got a chest hair. Take off your shirt. Let me see it. Let me see it, and then he goes to trying to pull it out. I was absolutely mortified, but kind of, you know, at the same time, like, I got chest hair, you know. You know, I'm in high school. That's Mike. He always would make fun of us in a good way. So for years, Mike Miller, this guy, had my wife, Angie, slated to be Matt's wife. So he saw Angie, Mike did, and ever since she was little, he would say something like, you're gonna marry my, my, my son. And then I come along in high school, I mean, I mean, always, so she would walk into church, he'd put his arm around her and say, every time he saw her, you're gonna marry my, my son, even if Matt had another girlfriend. But then I came into the picture, and so he would go over to Angie, and he'd smile, and he'd love on her, and he'd look back at me and scowl. You know, <laughs> just, just scowl. He, was, hey, he did it, I knew he loved me, um, and, I, and, I've, and I love him. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to rein it in because in my household growing up, there were certain things that you weren't allowed to joke about, you know, there were just certain things that we just didn't talk about. And in the Miller household, there was no filters at all. I learned about the birds and the bees from the Miller household. Um, uh, that, was, that was where I learned about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I think if my parents knew all the stuff that he talked about, they'd probably be not, not only embarrassed, but a little bit frustrated with Mike. Anyway, Mike is a fairly impressive man. When I was young, he was a youth pastor. He's a perfect youth pastor. But then he stopped being the youth pastor for a while, and he started a ministry called Dare to Live. And that's what he's doing right now. He's, in that picture, he's talking about Dare to Live. And it's a fight for your life. It's an anti-suicide or a suicide awareness ministry that is allowed in schools, or it used to be allowed in schools, um, and I, I knew Mike as the way I just described him to you, fun, I love being around him, he's, a, he's just a great guy, and then he came to my high school, and I was, I don't know, a sophomore or something, and he does his Dare to Live speech, and I find out for the first time that Mike isn't really internally like a gregarious guy, He's not internally like everybody. He wants to be around everybody. Internally, he has struggled with suicidal thoughts and depression since he was, the, as far as he can remember. In fact, he's not only struggled with it, he's attempted suicide. He's got the physical and the emotional and the mental scars of dealing with suicide. And that, that's what drove him to create a ministry that would go into high schools where he tells all kinds of funny stories in an appeal To say, listen, it's not worth it. You need to fight for your life. That's worth it. So that's what Mike did. Matt and I, when he came to Alaska, he told me this story about Mike, and the story of what happened the year before helps helps me understand where Mike comes from in this dealing with depression. You see. Mike is the youngest of three kids, and uh, Mike not only looked a bit different than his family, but he was treated different than his family. His mom would often take the kids and do some sort of fun thing and leave Mike at home. She would often say stuff to him like, you're not mine. I mean, just cruel things, and Mike was always made to think that he was some kind of third wheel. Um he wasn't he he wasn't really told what had happened, he wasn't told at all what had happened in his life and the reason for that until he was a grown man with kids and grandkids. And it finally came out because everybody on his household knew the situation, but he didn't. And that is is that his mom had an affair. And his dad, whom he called dad his entire life, wasn't really his dad. In fact it gets a little worse. At 29 years old, the mom had an affair with a 17-year-old. It was a boy who lived in the same apartment building upstairs. It was a neighbor, and it was, a, it was an affair that was a scandal. And instead of dealing with it, instead of telling Mike, she had Mike as a baby and treated him completely like he was cast away because he was the reason for her shame, she thought. Now you can kind of think through why Mike might be dealing with such a horrible, horrible weight and dealing with depression. Well, Mike and Matt were able to find hope in the midst of their darkness. And I want to share with you the devotion, part of the devotion that Matt shared with me and everyone on his Facebook page by telling you where that hope is. See, there's different kinds of darknesses in our life. There's the darkness that happens to us, such as a diagnosis of sickness or a car accident that we didn't cause, or some kind of darkness that happens to us. And then there is darkness that we cause, that's our fault, things that we do that's wrong. I want to share with you because of this guy's stories and their influence on me, that I know that there is hope in the midst of any kind of darkness we would face, including a brain tumor and including a scandal in a family that has left a man broken and dealing with suicidal thoughts and depression his entire life. But to find that hope, we need to go to an interesting book of the Bible named Judges. I'm going to read Judges chapter 14, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 4. And I'm going to ask you all to do something, and that is to stand. If you're able to stand, please, as we read the word of God. Judges chapter 14, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 4. These are the words of our living and true God. Samson went down to Tinmah, and at Tinmah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Tinma. Now, get her for me as my wife. But his father and his mother said to him, is not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take the wife from an uncircumcised Philistine? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. There ends is the reading of the word. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we bend our knee to the authority of your word. We thank you that it is there for us to not just learn from, but to be enveloped in every aspect of our life. So we ask that the Holy Spirit illumine the word to us, teach us, train us into all righteousness. May the sharp two-edged sword of the word divide us from our impure and our wrong thoughts and teach us in the way we should go. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe may be seated. If you've read through Judges before, you know that it's, a, it's an interesting book in the history of Israel. It's a book that is labeled at the very end, and everyone in the, the very end passage of the book of Judges says, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It was a time where Israel had lost its way, and there are lots of paradoxes in Judges. You guys know what a paradox is? It's two opposing things that seem to work together to mean something or to somehow work together. So you ever heard the phrase, less is more? That's a paradox. How can less be more? But we understand that having less oftentimes leads us to a more fruitful life. So paradoxes are in the Bible, which means there can be, paradoxes are in the book of Judges, which means that we're gonna come across things like this over and over again in the book. Did Did you notice here, that Samson wants a Philistine for a wife. And his family, knowing that that's a sin, says no. So you got the one side of it. You got passages over and over again. Exodus 34, verse 16, Deuteronomy 7, Genesis 24 and Genesis 26. All of these passages tell Israel, don't marry anyone from outside the Jewish faith, the Jewish people. Any uncircumcised, especially the Philistines, do not take a bride as a Philistine. Over and over again, it's mentioned. So we see on one hand, his parents saying, hey, isn't there anyone among your own people? Because they know this is a sin. But Samson says, no, she's right in my eyes. So they go and they get her. And if you keep reading, they go and they get her as, as his wife. But then you see this interesting verse, Verse 4. And it says, and his father and mother did not know it was from the Lord. From the Lord. How can darkness in our life, whether it's caused by us or it's something thrust upon us, be from the Lord? That seems like a paradox, isn't it? Because we are often taught to believe that the darkness in our life comes from the devil. Oh, the devil did it. The devil is responsible for this. That's a hard way to think when it comes to dealing with cancer, dealing with family news like this. If you think only that the devil did this, then you have an understanding that inside this is only misery, and you have to leave the situation of whatever you're in to go to God because he didn't do this. Instead, the Bible teaches us that it's not just the devil that does things, but it's rather that God uses those things, those darkness in our lives, for his glory. In Whale Pass, Angie and I went through, and we still kind of are going through a wilderness time in our life. You know what I mean by that? It's a time where you internally struggle. We struggled, still, we still have, uh, we struggle as a family with depression. We struggle with thoughts of like, why are we here? We were missing our friends, our family. We struggle with these things quite a bit. But at the same time, we know that God has called us there. So how does that affect our ministry? Do you know what? God has used more times in our life, in ministry in Alaska, the depression, the darkness in our life to minister to other people. It is the concept of the wounded healer. I don't want anyone here to think that the brokenness that you're going through or the darkness in your life, the stress that you encounter is not going to be used or it's a damage that you're damaged and that God needs to fix you. It could very well be that God is gonna use that darkness for his glory. How can you minister to somebody who is in a hole, in a pit, if you have not been in a hole or in a pit? You know, that you've ever heard the difference between sympathy and empathy? If I sympathize with you, that means you have a broken leg and I've never had a broken leg and I say that, "I'm sorry. That looks painful." And, you know, can I get you anything? That's sympathy. Empathy is saying, "I've had a broken leg. I know what it's like. I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to help you through this." That's empathy. I know internally what you're going through. Those are the kind of things that God uses in our lives. And as we see things like Mike's situation and Matt's situation, we can see that even in that darkness, there's hope. Because God is uniquely using the tragedy in your life for his glory. Interesting, if you keep reading the passage, Samson goes down with his family, and he tries to get the wife, you know, her as his wife, And he comes across a a young lion. And it says he takes that young lion and he rips it apart like one would a goat. Um, I've never ripped a goat apart, so I don't know how that goes. But he, you know, Samson is strong. And so he just rips this thing apart and he leaves it for dead. And he goes, talks to the girl. She agrees to marry with him. Now he goes back home and he's getting his parents and they go to meet the girl and there's that dead carcass of a lion. But inside that dead carcass... There's honey. Bees have made honey inside there. So Samson, not telling his parents what he had done, scoops some honey out of there. He gives it to his father and his mother, and they move on. Now they're at the wedding party. At the wedding party, Samson decides he's gonna make a little wager with the Philistines of her family. And he says, I'll tell you what, if you answer this riddle, I'll give you such and such amount of, of linen clothing and these kinds of gifts. If you can't guess the riddle, I will get it from you, right? And so he gives him this riddle, and it's in verse 14. He says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. That's not much of a riddle, is it? If anybody has seen or, or read the book The Hobbit, there's this interesting scene in the cave between uh, Bilbo Baggins and Gollum and they're telling riddles back and forth and the last riddle that, that Bilbo says is what yes right you guys have seen it what do I have in my pocket that's not a riddle that's a, that's a question an unknowing question the Philistines were trapped they have no idea what he's talking about so they go to the woman they say they beg her say hey you better tell us go to him and tell us what the answer is or otherwise it's on you so she, tell, she goes to him, and this is Samson's weakness. They tell, he tells her, she tells them, they guess it, he gets angry, and we know the rest of the story, he destroys things. But I want to go back to this riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. What do you think that is? It's a line, right? It's the lion that he tore off and there was the honey inside. Out of the eater, out of the lion, came something to eat, which is honey. Out of the strong came something sweet, which is honey. Here's how this whole passage is put together. This is a beautiful passage that describes hope in darkness. So here's Samson. He sees this terrible thing, and he, or this lion, and he rips it in half. And out of that destroyed, dead carcass comes Honey. Now Samson, in his own life, he sees the lion of the Philistines, he thinks, and he goes and destroys it, and he's going to get a wife, something sweet. His parents see the lion in their life as this sin that their son is doing. Why are you doing this? This is, this is wrong, and they're going to try to see, okay, well, maybe there's something sweet in this. God sees this as, even in the midst of the sin, I have a plan. Even in the midst of the darkness, I have a plan. And that plan is is to destroy the enemy. This this message that Matt gave, he said, out of the strong, out of the strong, what was it again? Came something to, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something something sweet. And this is Matt's, what he said. He said, out of the strong of cancer, comes something sweet. What do you think that could be? What could, I'll tell you, I, I really wish that you could meet him. Um, Matt absolutely is assured 100% that what God has given him in this cancer is for his good. I've never seen anybody with a diagnosis like this that is walking around preaching the gospel like Matt is. He is absolutely convinced, and I am too, that God has given this for his good. There is so many fruit that have coming from this. It's amazing. Go to Mike now. Mike up there. How could any situation like that be good? I'll tell you what. Matt would not have been born if Mike wasn't there, right? Um, Matt has had an incredible influence in my life. I probably, I'm almost assuredly, I would not have attended youth group without Matt inviting me and then driving me because I just wasn't into going to youth group. I wouldn't have met Angie, I, and I wouldn't be a pastor. I don't know where I would be in life if it wasn't for Matt. He came from Mike, and Mike came from an adulterous affair. Out of the eater came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. Mike has counseled hundreds if not thousands of youth and adults helping them through suicidal thoughts. What would have happened to the hundreds if not thousands of people that didn't get to talk to Mike? He's talked to thousands of high school students across the nation. The main purpose of what I'm telling you this day is this. All of us have darkness. Again, it's darkness that comes thrusting upon us, and it's darkness that we cause. And the hope is in this, is that God is not distant from what is causing you darkness right now. God is intimately there and has a plan for it. What does that do to you as you go through darkness? It gives you hope. Hope in the midst of your darkness. Whatever that is. The people that I minister to and talk to in Alaska are filled with darkness. I'm not just talking about their lives and how they live their life. I'm talking about the history of darkness. And there are hundreds or not hundreds, dozens of stories of people that I've talked to that the fact that I have walked and am walking through dark times in my life actually ministers to them. The this, this, this stuff that you go through that you want God to relieve you from. Have you ever considered that he might have given you that as a gift for his own purposes, for his own glory, and in that becomes your greatest weapon against the enemy? What you think is weakness is your strength. What you think is a lion that's going to devour you, God has different plans that in that carcass there's something sweet. If I can encourage anyone here that's going through something, I want you to grab onto this fact uh, of truth, that God is in this situation that you're going through. And if you believe that, it gives you hope. And if you have hope, you can be used as an instrument in his glory in every situation. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. How do I know this for sure? Is it just this passage? Actually, it's not. It points us to an even greater darkness do you think God was absent from the cross? You know, we we would say, no, you know, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God turned his back upon the sin, but not upon Jesus. The greatest tragedy that this world has ever seen, the greatest sorrow that this world, that caused the entire planet to turn dark, was the cross. The cross was God's foreordained plan that bore honey. And you were that honey. The cross itself is the darkness that we we can see in the Bible, that God puts his money where his mouth is and says, here, let me show you. The updates that Angie and I gave this morning are brief. I understand that. There are good things that happen and there are tragic things that happen. I've talked in Sunday school about several EMS calls that I've gone through that have led to the, the death of several people in our community. And when you have a community of 200 people, um, every person is known and they're, they're loved and it's a tragedy that hits the community. And it's those moments of darkness, those moments of tragedy that God ministers the deepest when you stand above a man who has passed away in the middle of the street and find that his wife has been looking for him all night and you're standing there not knowing and the troopers are coming, but it's an hour and a half drive. It's dark, it's cold. And you see his wife walking down the road and she asks you, is that my husband? And you understand what tragedy is. You understand what tragedy is to her as she weeps over him, as you weep, as I wept over him. But you know, the beauty of something like that is that she turned that around, that whole tragic situation. She turned it around. She's dealing with the trauma, she's dealing with the grief, and she turned it around for the glory of God. It was a huge community gathering. There were people that were angry with this guy and his wife that mended fences. In the tragedy, there was beauty to behold. I don't know if God's going to take Matt or if God's going to heal Matt. I'm able to be here today because um, uh, my dad in Maryland bought us plane tickets to come to spend some time with him because I may not get to see him again unless God heals him. But the beauty of Matt's life is one of the, one of the sweetness of Matt's life is this broken guy talking to you right now. That's sweetness that comes from this this tragedy, that one of the sweetness of Mike's life, his tragedy, is his son. And I guarantee you that whatever you're going through right now, the sweetness of it will be shown, whether it's in this side of glory or the next side of glory, because we don't know. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. And I thank you for the darkness of our life because in it we get to see the beauty of your light. Lord, as the valley of vision says, that it's in the valleys that's so dark where your, your stars shine the brightest. Lord, we know that if we go to a jeweler, that they put down a dark black velvet mat in order to highlight the beauty of that rock. And in our lives, it's the same way. There are diamonds in the suffering we go through. I ask, Lord, when in the darkest time where we can't see that, that you would illuminate it to us. We know this because in the cross, we see the diamond of our redemption. Lord, so I pray for the folks that are here today and each one of them as they deal with the, the tragedy the 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 loss, the darkness that they cause or that is caused to them, open their eyes to see the beauty of your cross, of your sweetness in this. And Father, we pray for their weak and ask that you would be glorified in it in every encounter. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.